0: Sometimes I wonder when I should be impressed by something. Have you guys ever thought about that before? Have you ever observed something and thought, I don't know, should I be impressed by that or was that just kind of normal? I was struck by this uh, just recently because I was making my every couple years or so uh, patriotic pilgrimage to pretend that I care about soccer for a few weeks. Anybody else uh, do that too? So yeah, okay, uh, apologies to the, to the real soccer fans out there, football, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I'm watching the United States play like a good American citizen, and I'm, I'm texting some of my friends who are like really into soccer. I'm like, hey, this, this thing just happened on the pitch, I guess is what they call it. Um, am I supposed to be impressed by that, or was that just kind of normal? And they would advise me like, no, no, you should be really impressed. And then retroactively, I'd be really impressed. Uh, But otherwise, he would be like, oh, no, it was just kind of, that happens all the time. Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to be impressed by that or not. Um, Does anybody here fly a lot on airplanes? No? Good. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) do you, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like to fly. I fly very rarely. I get very uncomfortable. If the plane moves at all, I'm looking around at everybody else. I'm, like, trying to find who are the veteran air travelers, you know, do, do they look... Like they're calm to the flight attendants. You know, like, like the flight attendants, they, they, they wouldn't you know, show me if they were nervous anyway, probably. But if everybody kind of looks like it's pretty normal, I, I, I'm like, should I be impressed by this turbulence or no? So then I try to act like I'm fine. But yeah, other things too, you know, like, like I go to an art museum or I watch some indie movie and I'm like, I don't know if this is good or not, you know? So I have to like read a review by a critic, you know, by an actual expert. To find out if should I be impressed by what I'm seeing or not? I don't know, maybe you guys have had this experience in your life before, but I, I have to sometimes go to the experts, people who have seen everything, so they can tell me if I should be impressed or not, because I am an expert on very few things, very few things. Now, today in our sermon series here, we're going to be considering this wonderful song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You guys know it. We're going to sing it here in just a little while. But I, I want us to reflect in a very specific way about this today. I want us to be thinking, you know, what would make the angels sing? What would impress the angels enough that they would be breaking out into song, praising and glorifying God. Because we know that they've seen a lot of amazing things, right? The angels, if you think about it, the angels, uh, they've observed many things throughout their lifetimes. I mean, they've existed almost as long as God himself, right? I don't know. I don't want to get into all of that exactly, but maybe you remember having to memorize the days of creation, what God created on day one and two and three, you know, and so on. Well, we actually we believe that the angels were created on day zero. Have you ever heard of that one before, day zero? Yeah, they skipped over that in the Sunday school classes, right? But, but even before God starts to you know, create the, heaven, you know, the heavens and the earth and the sea and the sky and all these things. He actually created all those things that we say, God created all the, is invisible and invisible. Well, the angels to us are invisible, so he's creating all the angels. So they've been around for a long, long time. And so think about what the angels have observed, what they've had a front row seat to see. They've seen the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. They've seen God, you know, measuring out everything for creation. They've seen other things. They've seen uh, the plagues of Egypt and they've seen God move the waters of the Red Sea apart. Um, they've seen God you know, destroy armies and make the walls of cities fall down. All kinds of amazing things. It would take a lot for the angels to be like whoa, that was pretty cool. It take a lot for them to sing. So what would make the angels sing. Now, it's interesting because um, I don't want you to get the impression that the angels have only been sitting in the front row as spectators watching all of these things. You know, it's not like all the angels do is play a harp and eat popcorn and watch God do his thing, okay? They are involved God created them for specific purposes, and so we're gonna talk about that a little bit here. Uh, what do angels exist to do? Well, first of all, serve God, you know, whatever. I'm sure the job description is long. They do things that I don't, I'm not even aware of. You guys aren't even aware of. They're serving God in many and various ways. They're delivering messages from God. But that, that's kind of how we see them most often in the scriptures, right? Usually it seems like, well, especially this time of year, we're talking about how they deliver um, messages telling people they're gonna have a baby, right? birth announcements, uh, but they, they deliver other messages as well. But they're also deployed among us to protect and help human beings. So they're, they're servants of God, but they're also, they're, they're your servants and mine. Makes me feel a little more important. You know, no, not really, but, but yeah, we have the angels. God has sent them to do things uh, for our benefit. Now, I don't know about you, but I think a lot, of, a lot of us have been fascinated by the angels over the years, um, and I, I think I'm always a little bit disappointed when I read through the Bible. I do a search, like, verses about angels or something. There's not that many. There's actually, there's a lot of, like, descriptions about angels sometimes, angels appearing to people, but we don't, we don't get, like, just a, a long list of, like, this is what angels do exactly, Um, Even we sometimes talk about how, oh, there's guardian angels out there. The Bible does not specifically say that. It comes real close to saying that. Doesn't quite, um, it doesn't matter necessarily. We know that angels are doing more things than we're aware of, and they are sent to protect and defend and help human beings in many ways. But one of the things, I, I have kind of mixed feelings about this, though, that the angels are watching over me kind of the same mixed feelings that I have when I think about how God is watching over me. I remember back in my days, you know, having to learn the catechism and, and all these different characteristics about God. You, you guys remember these things. You learn that God is omnipresent, right? It means he's present everywhere. Ooh. And then there's another one, omniscient, right? You, you certainly got that one wrong on some test, right? What that meant. Omniscient means he knows everything, I'm like, on one hand, that's awesome. God is everywhere, he knows everything about me, there's a comfort that comes, but there's also a, a big uneasiness that you know, sweeps over me when I think about this. Are you guys getting the same picture? So, so now, so God sees everything and knows everything that I do and say and think. Uh, it's bad enough that God knows all this stuff. Now the angels are washing me too. The angels are seeing all this stuff. I mean, they're, ha- they're having to watch me all the time to make sure I'm safe, and now they're, they're seeing all that. They're seeing the, the, the good things that I do occasionally, and they're seeing all the bad stuff that I do too. Yikes. Can I shut this feed off somehow from time to time? The angels not only have a front row seat to all the wonderful things that God has done throughout history, they also have a front row seat to all the sins that you and I have committed. They have a front row seat to human depravity. Ever since the Garden of Eden, they've seen the fall into sin, and they've seen, and they've watched, and they probably grieve a little bit. They're like, man, here's all this, the human race that I'm supposed to protect and watch over, and look how far away they have gotten from God. The angels observe the sinful separation that there is between human beings and their Creator." So what would, what would make the angels sing then? Because they see that humans are lost, sinful creatures. And so I just imagine angels being fully aware of this problem. Can you just imagine when God called that all-company meeting up in heaven? Angels were wondering, I oh, wonder, wonder what this is going to be about. And then God laid out the plan. Here's the plan for Christmas. This is what I'm gonna do. And can you imagine when they found out what he was planning to save human beings, to reconcile them back to himself, can you imagine how overjoyed they were? The rejoicing that went on when they saw God, when they heard about God's incarnation intervention. I think that was like the working title for the operation that God had how he was going to become one of us in the incarnation to intervene to take care of this problem of sin and they, you better believe, the angels were singing. They were singing in praise to God because of the grace and the love that he is preparing to show to his people. That's what would make the angels sing. Apparently, it's a little baby being born in Bethlehem. That'll get the angels to sing. Now, I want us to take a little walk through this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. As again, I've already said, it's the greatest Christmas song of them all. Um, there's no debate. Uh, but I, I want to I walk through just the words because I know I am guilty, and you guys are probably guilty of this too. You know, you have like your favorite Christmas songs, the ones that you sing every year, and you know, you, you, just, you just sing through it really fast, and you don't really think about the words that happens to me at least. I've admitting it publicly now that I just kind of, you know, pff, the words just wash over me. I, I, it's good to, to take, go a little bit slower and reflect upon what the words say and what they mean. So we're gonna go verse by verse here. Here's a summary for the first verse. Um, you know, what would make the, why, why are the angels singing? Well, the angels sing because God is bringing peace by reconciling sinners to himself. Reconciling sinners to himself. Here's what it says Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So the angels, they're praising the Christ for coming down for bringing peace to the world, peace and mercy, for bringing sinners back together with their God, finally setting things right, setting them into a right relationship with God again. This is the same message that the angel gives to the shepherds, right, on that first Christmas. And this brings joy, apparently, to, to all nations. It's not just for a small group of people. It's for everybody. The angels are inviting the whole world to join in, praising and proclaiming what has happened now that Christ has has been born. That's verse one. Let's move on to verse two now. A little summary here. The angels sing because of God's willingness to personally enter his broken creation to save it. Here are the words. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. This is heaven, the whole host of heaven. That's all the angels. They're adoring Christ. They worship him for who he is. He is the Lord, the Lord of all, and yet he is willing to come down into his broken creation to fix it, to save it. And the the angels are no, they're no strangers to, you know, getting their hands dirty within creation, you know, that God is sending them out to do their work. They're bringing words from God. They're telling people they're going to have miraculous babies. They're, They're destroying armies. They're saving human beings from predicaments. Um, but even they, they are marveling here at how when it gets to the most important, the most dangerous mission of them all, that God says, I've got this one. I'm gonna be the one that's gonna go down and suffer and die to make things right. I'm gonna take the brunt of it all to suffer in the place of my people. And the angels are so impressed by that that they sing and they praise God. And they praise the incarnation, that God would take on flesh, that he would become Emmanuel, God with us. Third and final verse, the angels sing because Jesus has been born to bring healing and new everlasting life. Here's what it says. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and Life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So this, this verse continues to play on this theme of the incarnation, that God becomes man. He lays his glory by. He gives it all up to slum it with us, to, to bring salvation to the world. And it gives a specific purpose uh, of why he's coming. You know, he's born that that there's going to be no more that people aren't going to die. I mean, at least not not eternally, right? You're going to die, yeah. But it's going to be temporary because you're going to be raised to new life. There's going to be that second birth. We talk about how we're born again as Christians, but this is this is we're also going to be born unto everlasting life because of what Jesus has done. And so I think that we have the answer to our question, you know, what would make the angels sing? Well, the angels sing when God saves. The angels sing when God saves, when he makes good on his promise to bring salvation to the world. That's when they sing. And there's a couple other passages I want to share with you. If you need a little bit more proof, a little bit more color for how the angels feel about what God is doing. The one is what we read just a little while ago in our reading from Luke 15. You know, Jesus is talking about what, how does heaven react when lost people get saved? Just so, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Ever since I was a kid, whenever I've heard this verse, I have this, this image, and maybe you guys have the same thing. Um, of like this big party up in heaven. It's like somebody turns and believes in God and they're saved and like, like like an alarm is going off up there. There's bells are ringing. It looks like some team has just won the championship. Confetti's coming down and balloons and people are singing and rejoicing. There's a huge party every time. It's not like now the angels, like it's gotten old to them or something. No, every single time God does the miraculous work of drawing a sinner to turn and trust in him and be saved, the angels are like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And they sing and they dance and they rejoice. Huge party in heaven. Um, I hope you never get that image out of your mind when you hear this verse again. Um, I'm a little bit sorry, but I also hope that it, that sticks in there. But one, one more passage, and this is a little bit more of an obscure one, but it's, it's beautiful. And I, I want to share it with you. From 1 Peter. So it says, concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. You know, so these are prophets from a long time ago, God's sending them to his people, and they're telling these messages about the, the coming Messiah. They didn't really know what it all meant. They were just kind of, you know, telling the message, and they're asking about it. You know, they're inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Um, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. You know, the people who Peter's writing to, you guys too. Um, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Listen to this last part. Things into which angels long to look. Angel, Angels long to look into the salvation story. Angels. Angels. I'm gonna take a small liberty here. I think this is saying angels are a little bit jealous of us because we get to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus again and again. We get to read it and we get to hear it and, um, and we get to like read it in our Bibles and everything. I, I think the angels uh, wish they had a Bible. I think on every, on every angel's Amazon wish list, there's a Lutheran study Bible on there. And I hope, frankly, I hope they don't, I hope they don't get one because I know I'm going to be driving down the road. I'm going to wreck my car because my angel is going to be reading Luke chapter 2 and not paying attention to me. Okay, I don't want that. You know, Gabriel, close that Bible and watch me, okay? Now I want them to watch me, right? But, but the angels, I have this image of them like just wishing that they had a Bible so they could just pour over and look at from every angle what God has done, and they're a little bit jealous that we get to hear this story Again and again, the angels long to look into these things. And why shouldn't they? It's no wonder that the angels sing and rejoice and are so impressed by what God is doing because what God has done at Christmas has changed everything. It has transformed the course of human history. It has transformed your life and mine. Because we know it doesn't just stop with a baby being born in a manger, right? It goes to a cross. And it goes to an empty tomb. And eventually it goes to eternal life for you and for me when we will give the angels a run for their money with how loud we can sing the praises of God for what he has done to bring salvation to this world. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing that song here in just a minute. But pray with me first. Lord God. We give you thanks and praise and song for what you have done, for what you have revealed to us and how you have brought reconciliation between us and you by the coming of Jesus. Thank you for personally coming in and undoing the effects of sin so that we can be set free and healed and live with you forever. We pray this in Jesus' name.